You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. So good morning, Bright City. All right, so happy to have this opportunity. I want to first thank Pastor Nick and Jess to... Um, put their faith in me and to, to be my cheerleader. Um, I don't think I've ever had, outside of my wife, Caroline, I don't know if I've ever had such big cheerleaders um, than I've experienced coming here. Um, so as uh, Jess said, I am an owner here at Bright City. Uh, my wife and I and our two kids uh, moved down here just over a year ago from New York. Uh, I'm trying not to have my New York accent come through when I do the sermon today, but um, a little bit about myself. I first worked in music and production after school, um, did that for about 10 years, and then I became a teacher. Uh, went through a, a life-changing experience. God kind of spoke to me to become a teacher. I told him he was crazy. He kept on saying, no, I think you're supposed to become a teacher. Um, at that point, I started working as a youth director at the church I was at and got a degree uh, for education, and uh, I started to work in the public school systems and charter systems in New York, and currently I'm working as a fourth grade teacher here in Charleston County. Uh, it's been really great. Um, now, I'm going to just change gears a little bit. God, um, in my morning time of prayer and, and reading the Bible, uh, I read Hebrews 12, and in case you don't know, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that shows us, that uh, slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. And this really hit me this morning. And so to just switch gears a little bit, to let you know a little bit more about myself, is I can be a very insecure individual. Um, I have the tendency of comparing myself to other people. And the last three weeks and, and hearing the speakers that were here, I was like feeling a little intimidated with my ability. Um, I love my kids, but I'm not always the greatest dad. I'm quick to raise my voice or maybe hold standards to some of them. Um, I love my wife, but I'm not always the greatest husband because I'm not the greatest communicator sometimes. Um, I don't always have the greatest and the most perfect words to say. Um, and I say this, and I bring this up today because the thing that really God was putting on my heart this morning was don't do this on your own strength. You're not going to do it in your own strength. The word's not going to be heard in your own strength. And all those things that are in your head and in your heart and in your spirit that you are still dealing with, you got to bring that out. Because if I'm keeping that inside while I'm trying to bring God's word, it's not going to be received. And so I bring that up today just to get that out there so you know where I'm coming from. Um, and I know there's a lot of prayer today, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit more prayer. So I'm just going to pray um, that this is not going to be the sermon of Andrew, that the words that you hear from me today are not mine, but of God's. Um, so if you would just bow your heads with me again. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for bringing us to this place, God. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you have called me into. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you would just empty my cup of myself, Lord, and that you would fill my cup to overflowing of the Holy Spirit, God, that your spirit would, would come through, Lord, that the words that I say are not of my own and of my own strength, God, 
but that I am simply a tool, a vehicle, a speaker for your words to be heard this morning. Uh, be with us now to, to hear, to receive, and to just reflect on the goodness that is your character. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I want to start with a question. Have you ever had a moment when you knew that you were supposed to do something? And then maybe you struggled to actually do it? Hands, anybody? Okay. So I remember this one time. I had uh, just recently come back to the Lord, and I was at work, and my sister had given me a call, and she said, hey, uh, the church that I attend are starting this new young adult Bible study. At the time, I was about 27, 28 years old, and she said, you know, I think it'd be great for you to go to this Bible study, and my friend is leading it, and their house is just maybe like a 10-minute walk from where you work, and... She said, I think you should go to it tonight. And I said, okay. And, but I hung up the phone, and I was determined there's no way I'm going to this Bible study. Um, I don't know these people. I don't go to this church. It's going to be really awkward just showing up and saying, hey, at the time, um, I was taking a tr train as, and public transportation, so I was like, I'm not going to go to a Bible study, get out at 9 o'clock, then i got to get to the train station, get home at like 12 o'clock, like, I'm just not doing it. Um, so I left work, and I'm walking to the train station, and I get to this point. I can either go straight to this Bible study, or I can make a left and go up that platform to the train station. That was a moment where I knew I was supposed to do something. So... We all will be faced with these specific moments where we know that we have an opportunity to do something and that obedience is required. Uh, if you would turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we're going to quickly look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, um, just to kind of give a little upfront background of what's going on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Hebrew boys who were taken out of um, their home, brought into exile under the Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar, who indeed is a historical figure. There's lots of papers written about him. So uh, if you ever want to like know, hey, is the Bible true? It's historically backed up. And so at this time, um, King Nebuchadnezzar had put out a decree that, who, that at the sound of the gong or a music of the sound of the flute, the lyre, basically a rock concert. Whenever uh, Nebuchadnezzar was ready to play this music, you know, he might say, hey, Alexa, please play my music. And he had also built a 90-foot golden statue. And so everyone in the land were to bow down to the statue and worship it at this sound. Now, when the time came, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down. And so some of the king's advisors brought them to King Nebuchadnezzar and told them the accusation. And that's where we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you have refused to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statues that you have set up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego demonstrated at this moment amazing loyalty to God. And as a result, they chose great obedience to the Lord. And so the, what I want us to consider today and what I want us to think about is this. How are we going to be loyal and choose obedience in our day-to-day lives? Just kind of think about that a little bit. Well, in choosing obedience, there's three points I want to kind of look at and deconstruct from this passage and, and another passage as well. The first point in choosing obedience is recognizing that we are offered opportunity. All right, so opportunity. American columnist Ann Landers said this about opportunities. Opportunities are usually disguised as hard work or difficult situations, so most people don't even recognize them. And so what she's saying there is that a lot of times we could be in a difficult situation or going through some struggles, and we fail to see that that's just an opportunity that God's presenting to us. Um, Jesus will always present to us opportunity, right? For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the opportunity was presented to them. You can either bow down or be thrown into a furnace, right? They had another chance. They could have easily said, okay, here's the opportunity. We don't have to die. We can just bow down, right? Um, But they had that opportunity, and they saw it. Now, in Luke chapter 5, we see that Jesus offers an opportunity to a certain fisherman, Um, At this point, Jesus had just started out his uh, speaking throughout the land. Crowds of people are starting to form. He had just spoken to the people on the shore of Galilee. And uh, in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 4, it says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will do it. There's the opportunity. Jesus is asking Simon, hey, why don't you go back out another time? Go back out again. You see, something that we have to know about opportunity is that God doesn't always give us what we want. Instead, he creates opportunity for us to trust what he wants for our lives. All right? Um, So I had this opportunity. I had this opportunity to go home relax, be nice and comfy and comfortable with my situation, or I can be uncomfortable and go straight to this Bible study. Now, I had said before that uh, I had worked in the music business. I had had some time away from the Lord. Now, the one thing about this opportunity and the standstill was that I heard this voice say, I thought you would go wherever I told you to that you would follow wherever I tell you to go. You see, because for 10 years, I was living life for myself. It was all about fame. It was about uh, money. It was about living for the world. And over that time, I had made really poor decisions. I had lived a very destructive life. And it got to a point where I was very depressed. And 
I was mixing painkillers with alcohol, and one night I had blacked out. And there was a, and I know I blacked out because I remember eating dinner, and then when I woke up, I was at a bar, and I had no idea how I got there. Now, the thing is, when I woke up, it wasn't because I just naturally woke up. I heard a voice tell me, wake up, and my eyes were opened. And I looked around. I didn't know where I was, and I heard the voice say, get up and leave. You don't belong here. And so I left, and as I stumbled my way back to my apartment at the time, I heard the voice say, I still love you. And I knew it was God. I knew it was Jesus. I knew that um, at that moment, I had to come face to face with the 10 years of destruction that I was doing in my life. And I cried out to God. I got to my apartment and I fell to my knees and I said to him, God, if you can redeem me, if you could forgive me for everything I've done over these last 10 years, I'll follow you wherever you tell me to go. And I'm telling you, it was a supernatural release from that. And I knew I was saved. But here I was. I had this opportunity. And here's the voice. I thought you said you were going to follow me wherever I told you to go. So at that point, I knew I had this opportunity in front of me. And what was I going to do? See, opportunity to God will always present an opportunity. But every opportunity requires choice. Let me say that again. Obedience to God will always present an opportunity, but every opportunity requires a choice to be made. So Simon Peter had a choice to make. We can call this an even-if moment if we want to relate it to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, in in the moment in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, when Simon Peter says to Jesus, but if you say so, that's his even-if moment. Now, something to know about fishermen, to know about Peter at this time, if we're looking at the, the passages, culturally at this time, fishermen was not really the greatest job to have. It was very stressful. It was very difficult, hard work. Uh, though important, it was not viewed as very prestigious. Uh, they were not looked as educational people. They were not looked at as influential people. They were more gruff and rugged. Uh, Typically, fishermen at this time in this uh, area of the world were multilingual because uh, fishermen usually fished at night to avoid um, the scorching sun. And when they would come in in the morning, fish was also a very common food for the common people. So they would have many people typically lined up to purchase the fish uh, for the day, for their meals. And so... They were important, yet not really looked at as necessarily great people. The job was competitive with other fishermen. It was high stakes with little prestige. So I don't know if you're someone who kind of feels like my job is so hard and I never get any attention. No one really cares about me. Just know that you're in good company with uh, the disciples. So with all that... Let's consider what Peter might have been thinking. So Peter was out all night fishing, uh, didn't catch anything, hard work, a lot of time, and you come in and you know that you have nothing to sell to people who are probably going to be very upset with you, you're going to lose out to your competitors, which means that you're 
not making money, that you're not going to be able to feed your family. Um, you, depending on your family, maybe you're going to get a lot of grief when you get back home. But so he went through all this. And now we have a teacher, a rabbi, who at first, if we didn't read this part, but Jesus just hops into Simon's boat to preach so that people can hear him better. So first of all, it's like you just came in from a long night. Now you got this rabbi who's just jumping on your ride uh, without even asking. And then when he's all done, he tells you, hey, go back out and fish again. I can imagine Peter saying to himself, Listen, you stick to the teaching, let me stick to the fishing. All right, because chances were, if you were a fisherman, it's because your father was a fisherman, his father was a fisherman, it was a generational family business. So Peter was probably a master fisherman, despite not catching anything. And so I can imagine he's tired, he's aggravated, he's frustrated, and now he's being told, hey, go back and try it again. But he has a choice to make. So there's the opportunity, go back out, and his even-if moment the choice he has to make, and he makes it. He says, but if you say so, I'll do it. He says, Lord, teacher, you've been now casting fish all day, but I've caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll do it. Even though I know how this is going to turn out, I am going to obey. Amazing, amazing moment. And I don't think Peter, in that moment, really knew the magnitude of the obedience he was demonstrating. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made the choice to stand with God rather than the king. They said, even if confident that their choice would lead to a miracle, but also knowing that their choice could also lead to death. Choices are hard things. They are a hard thing. So if you're in a place where... You're stuck with a hard decision. I want to encourage you. I want to assure you that that feeling is absolutely normal. Because every choice has a cost. See, for me, going to that Bible study, it was going to cost me my comfort. It was going to probably cost me some sleep. It was going to cost me, um, you know, just like being an outsider. And that was a very possible cost. But the cost was also to be true to the word that I promised to God. So again, every opportunity, every, every opportunity requires a choice, and every choice comes with a cost. So the choice to obey can be terrifying and feel uncomfortable, but the cost of obeying God always leads to a reward whether we see it now or later. And I think that's something that could be very difficult for us because we live in a culture where it's now, 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 now. It's all instant gratification. And so a lot of times when we make a choice, we expect to see that reward of those choices immediately. But with God, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't see those immediate. And that's where faith comes in. But we have to hold true and remember that Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Not a promise to give you what you want right now, but a plan to prosper us and to give us hope. 
So you never know how obedience in the small things can set into motion God's plan for the big things because obedience is contagious. You see, there's something about the end of this passage with, um, with Peter in chapter 5. So he says, but, even if you, but if you say so, I will do so. And then says this, um, let me just find my spots. Here we go. When they had done so and they went back out, they ca- caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he, he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. What I love about this is that we really do see that obedience is contagious. Because by Simon Peter saying, but if you say so, I will do it. It wasn't just him who caught all the fish. It was his brother Andrew. It was his friends James and John and their father's business. But even more importantly, it wasn't just Simon Peter who Jesus extended the invitation to follow him and to start fishing for some real eternal life-changing circumstances. Right? It was Andrew, James, and John. All of them went. And that all started because Peter obeyed in the small thing. Just take your boat back out. Can you imagine for a moment what could happen if we just started saying yes in the little things? What is it that God really has store for us? So King Nebuchadnezzar, if we can think about this, if we go back to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, all right, the story, the, the three men got bounded up, put into the blazing furnace that was so hot that even the soldiers who led them to the furnace died from the heat, yet Nebuchadnezzar then shouts out, didn't we put three men in there, tied up? But look, there's four men walking around, unbound. And he calls out to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. And they stepped out. Now, Nebuchadnezzar didn't see it, but I am pretty confident that there was a fourth man who walked out with them that day. And what happens at the end of this? Nebuchadnezzar declares, your God truly is the true and living God. Right? Contagious. They said, yes. What happens? The king who believes in multiple gods, has no choice but to declare that your God is the one true God, right? Peter saying yes, and Andrew, James, and John follow along, but think about what would happen for eternity because Simon said yes in that small thing, right? Simon Peter, though he would mess it up multiple times, would go on to be called the rock of the church, He would be the lead pastor at the church of Pentecost that would then see 3,000 come to believe in Jesus that very day, which would then ignite Christianity throughout the world. And it all started because he said, 
But if you say so, I'll take my boat out. It's so amazing. And so imagine for a moment if resisting to obey God is stopping you from stepping into an obedience that God is waiting for you. Because God wants to use each and every one of us. He has given each and every one of us a purpose. He has created us for a purpose. He has given each and every one of us certain talents and skill sets. And he wants to use you. But is maybe us feeling resistant, keeping God from using us to do some amazing things. So just imagine for a moment if we would just say, forget the resistance to obey. Forget my comfort. Forget the, um, you know, just wanting to do things comfortable. I was thinking this morning too, like how many times, I've been guilty of this too, how many times we see people with a hurt, we say, I'm going to pray for you. And we do nothing. Right? When God puts that, those words in your mouth and God instills that within your heart, he's not doing that so you can have lip service. He's doing it so that we can put it into action. You see, when we say those things, it's, it's not, it should not just be for, to be polite, but it should be because God is calling you to say yes and obey him in those little moments. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And sometimes the best thing to do is, no, I'm going to pray for you right now. Just uh, last week, uh, I was standing in my living room, and our neighbor is moving, and he was in our living room, and he was just going through all these things about what he has gone through um, in the last uh, year and a half. He was in a horrible accident, going through troubles with finances and relationships, and he just kept on saying, I, I just feel so frustrated. I, I never used to be this angry, but I just feel angry. And he said it multiple times. And the first time he said it, the thought came into my mind, I should pray for him. I'm going to pray for him. But at that moment in my head, I was just thinking, I'll be praying for him throughout the week and as he goes on in his life. And then he said it again. And he said it again. And by the third time, I said, no, I, I get it, God. You need me to step out in obedience right now. And I said, listen, we're going to stop right now and I'm going to pray for you. And then we stopped and we prayed together. And I'm not, I wish I had a story that he like, had this miraculous, I'm coming to Jesus moment. But, you know, he said, thank you. And you know what? That's just that little bit. But God can do a lot with a little bit. We've seen, we see it throughout scripture. God doesn't need a lot to do a lot. Um, so again, what have we started to consistently say yes to the opportunities that God presents us? Could we see restoration in relationships if we start saying yes to those little opportunities? Could we see restored marriages, right, that Katie and Josh talked about two weeks ago, if we start saying yes in those little opportunities of obedience? Can we see more success at our jobs? Could we see salvation for our neighbors? Could we see peace in our, in our own hearts and minds? You know, the pandemic has brought a lot of loneliness and depression and insecurities and anxiety but what if in those moments we just started saying yes to those little things? Could we see peace from that? See, the cost of obeying, the cost of obeying God is reward. It is. And I know it's like a very bold statement to make. But again, whether we see it right away or we see it years from now or we see it on the other side of eternity, there is reward for obeying God. 
So I had the opportunity to go straight or turn left. I had the opportunity to say yes or no. I made the opportunity to go to that Bible study. And I'm walking straight. I'm saying, oh, my goodness. Here I go. Here I go. This is going to be awkward, but okay, here we go. Making the turn, knocking the door. Hi, I'm Rebecca's brother. I was told there's going to be a Bible study here tonight. Um, so what was the cost of that Bible study? Well, I ended up doing a Bible study that would be a life-changing, altering Bible study in my, li- my life and my faith walk. Um, this Bible study literally brought me from, all right, I'm just kind of getting back into this Christian walk, or, all right, um, I believe in Jesus, I go to church, and it brought me to, it's time to put away milk and start eating the meat, and really start having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Forget about religion, I'm not, I don't care about religion, I care about relationship. And this Bible study really made that click for me. And so it was a life-altering Bible study that impacted my faith walk. Not only that, I, I, when I opened up the door, um, the people who were leading the group said, hey, you're early, there's just one other person here, but come on in. And they said, uh, we want to introduce you to, this is Caroline. Oh All right. Um, she's kind of new to uh, the church as well, so you guys kind of have something in common. And, you know, hey, wasn't thinking about it. I was not there for, for trying to get into a relationship. I was there to really, well, I was there for relationship, just for Jesus' relationship. Um, but I'm telling you, and it was so awesome because the two of us got to do this Bible study together, and she kind of had a similar background to mine. And so here we are growing in just our relationship with Jesus together that would then naturally become a romantic um, relationship after she asked me out. Um, but uh, from that, though, um, at the time I was going to another church, but when we decided that we were going to get married, it was very strong that we wanted to go to the same church. And so I left my church to join um, the church that she was at. From there, um, I got the opportunity to then work in ministry for almost 10 years at that church. But more importantly, we, um, I started to lead a men's group And those men today are still like my brothers. They are still my accountability partners. Even though we live, you know, 16 hours away, just about two weeks ago, I just texted them, hey, guys, I can really use prayer for this, or we're going through this. And those guys have my back. Um, And I never would have had those relationships if it wasn't for that. One of the hardest things about us moving to South Carolina was our small group were like family to us. I don't know why I'm getting choked up right now, just thinking about it. But those, they're like, really are the people who do life with us. And so, like, I'm just going to use this as a plug that if you're not in groups, when we start back up, get into groups because, like, those relationships, like, my best friend is now one of those people who I never would have met if I didn't say yes. Um, You know, even moving to South Carolina... My wife had a vacation here ever since she was a little girl, and one of the stipulations of her marrying me was that we were going to live in Charleston, South Carolina one day. And so, like, you know, if if I didn't go to that Bible study, I didn't meet her, we didn't get married, um, I wouldn't be here, for sure. And then, you know, one of the biggest rewards of saying yes that day 
um, were my children. Um, we both kind of had similar backgrounds, and for a while, we both didn't think that God was going to bless us with children um, because of past mistakes. And as frustrating as those kids could be sometimes, and as much as they keep me up at night, and I probably will not get a good night's sleep for a long time, every time I look at them, I just know <laughs> that's the cost of saying yes. Um, so how are we going to be loyal and choose obedience in our day-to-day? I pose that same question again. How are we going to do it? We pay attention and we see the opportunities that God presents us with. We make the choice to obey God rather than ourselves. We say yes to God in the small things. We say yes to God in the big things, regardless of what we want or how we feel. We accept the cost. And I want to just point out the path of least resistance doesn't mean the path that leads to lasting fulfillment. Most cases in life, the path with the most resistance ends with the biggest reward. So I want to end with some encouragements. First, if you've passed up opportunities, if you've made bad choices, there is an answer to that. And that answer is Jesus Christ. We have the redemption power of Jesus Christ. Jesus had an even if moment as well. So if, if you've been like struggling, maybe you're in a place where you're like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just struggling with it. You're in good company because even Jesus had that moment when he was in the garden. And Jesus said to you, the Father in prayer, if this cup can pass by me, please let it pass by me. But then here's the even if moment. But even if not, your will be done and not mine. So you're in good company because Jesus was in this situation. Yet Jesus is also the perfect example and model of how we obey. So Jesus would still endure death on a cross for a single reason, so that you can have the opportunity to mess up, yet still be restored fully. The ability to still come back and say, God, I, I messed up, but you know what? I have 10 years of messing up, but God, I'm going to follow you wherever you tell me to go from now on, and that's okay. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on that cross, our bad choices, our, those times where we had those opportunities and we decided not to take them. See, God then takes those opportunities in one hand, and then he takes grace, and he takes grace, and he takes grace upon grace upon grace, and he covers them and does away with those bad choices. For those of you who are faced with a choice right now, but maybe there's fear attached to that. Maybe there is, I know I'm saying yes, but I really deep in my heart want to say no. I have been in that exact same moment. Moments where I wanted to stay at a job, but God was calling me to another one. And I was actually praying that God's will be done, but that God's will would be that I don't get this job. All right? But it's hard. 
Nothing in Scripture tells us that living a life that follows Jesus is going to be easy. Right? We're, we're traveling the narrow road, not the wide one. We are carrying our cross each and every day. But again, trust in God. Trust in Jesus. Now, fear, it's okay to have a little bit of fear. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit kind of protecting you. But crippling fear, I want to say right now, is a lie and a tactic of the enemy to stop you from obedience and the abundance that God has for you. 100% is. Any kind of insecurity as I felt coming into today, I knew we're a lie of the enemy. And so we just got to call it out. We got to call it out for what it is. And we got to bring those insecurities and those fears into the light of fellow believers and to God in prayer. But don't allow crippling fear of what might happen, the hypothetical what might, or the hypothetical of, I don't see how this is going to work out. Don't allow that to stop you from stepping into obedience. Again, it's okay to be fearful, just not to stay there. And next, God offers peace, right? If we go back to Luke 5 and we're thinking about this interaction with Simon Peter, one of the greatest and most beautiful ways to end this story. Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Listen, I've given you this opportunity. You're faced with a choice. You've made the right choice. Don't be afraid to step into that choice. Because there's a cost, and the cost is amazing. And God knows that, but he also knows that it can be scary. Yet he gives us that picture to the disciples. Don't be afraid. The place with the greatest fear, frustration, insecurity is typically the place where we see God move the greatest. But when, only when we give him those, that obedience. So again, the, the place of the greatest fear and frustration and security is typically the place where we'll see God show up the most and the biggest when we give him our obedience. And finally, some encouragement is that God will give us vision when we give him our obedience. One of the greatest stories I've been seeing here at Bright City, right, is, um, I know Skyla, I don't know if she's here, but she had this feeling of, we need to pray for our neighbors. Now, that could be scary to just go and ask people you don't know, can I pray for you? Yet she carried out this vision in obedience, and like, it's been so amazing. Um, Tyler, I know, I think he's not here today, but... God gave him a vision of having a men's breakfast every Tuesday to, to bring community together. And that has been so powerful and so amazing. You see, when we're willing to say yes to those callings and those like urgings that the Holy Spirit gives us, there's vision that comes out of it. And those visions grow to build the kingdom of God here. So can you imagine how different your life course could be if you seize the opportunity, if you choose to obey God, and if you consider the eternal cost of your obedience? So before
before I pray, I just want to urge you. I said this this morning in prayer, and this wasn't part of my sermon, but it was just something that God is just giving it to me, and I just want to give it out to you. That's all I can do. Say yes. Be willing to say yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, um, I just thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing here at Bright City. I thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for uh, the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And I pray, God, that we would be a people who would not live in fear, who would not live for ourselves, Heavenly Father God, but that we would lay down and sacrifice our well-being to say yes to you, God, that we would be a people who would trust you even in the scary moments, Heavenly Father God, that we would give you our obedience day in and day out, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bring healing and peace for those who have made bad choices, Lord. I pray, God, that you would remove the shame and the guilt and the fear that the enemy tries to put on us. And I pray, God, that you would do that in the name of Jesus for those who need it today, God. For those who are faced with opportunity, God, I pray, God, that you would give them wisdom and discernment, heavenly wisdom and discernment to make the right choices that they need in their lives. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would receive the glory from our obedience, that it is not about us, Heavenly Father God, that it would never be about us, but about ultimately your glory, Heavenly Father God. We thank you for saying yes to us, God. Let us be a people who says yes to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.